Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt. Joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello there, Pete. I don't want to alarm you, but I think you might have a mold problem, Matt. Ooh, scary stuff. Uh, today's episode is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, 107, The Hub. The Hub? Really? How exciting! Yes, how exciting. And exciting that it could be brought to us by the good people at Odorless MREs. When you're out and about <laughs> and you don't need someone smelling your sandwich, grab an Odorless MRE. <laughs> Indeed, so useful. And by the way, if you'd like to help the podcast with uh, the uh, bandwidth costs, etc., you can head over to shieldpodcast.blogspot.com and click on the PayPal link. Even a little goes a long way. However, you might visit the webpage for even more fun reasons. Uh, right now, there's our Thor The Dark World podcast already up, but even better, friends. If uh, next Tuesday, November 19th, you could head over to shieldpodcast.blogspot.com. This is especially if you live in the United States Eastern and Central Time Zone. Uh, if you're there during the airing of uh, next week's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you can join Pete and myself for a live blog of episode 108. Uh, we'd love to have a ton of people kind of come over and join the, the live blog. And it won't just be the two of us chatting away. You'll be able to join us as well. Uh, the chat will open up uh, at about 7.50 p.m. And uh, if for some reason you're not in those two time zones, you'll still be able to go back uh, after the fact to go, uh, you know, to go and read the live blog after it's occurred. And uh, certainly we hope to see all our Eastern and Central time zone friends uh, at shieldpodcast.blogspot.com during the airing of next Tuesday's episode. So exciting stuff, Pete. And just to tease that out, uh, just the teensiest bit further, uh, episode 108 entitled The Well will be the Thor, uh, the Dark World tie-in episode where it's in your theaters one week and it's on your TV the next. So really looking forward to chewing that over with our listeners. Pete, it is a Thor tie-in directed by Star Trek The Next Generation's Jonathan Frakes for episode 108, which gets the losty hairs in the back of my neck standing up. This is the great geek confluence here. I'm yes. excited. I would refer to it as uh, Thorassic. Ooh. But Pete, we have this episode to talk about, though, as excited as we are for next week. So where should we start? Oh, Let's debrief this bad boy here. Uh a slam bang uh, episode in terms of action. Uh, we we talked a little off air in terms of what we gave it. I gave it an A. Matt, you were a little below that. I think that it kind of wobbled a little bit between an A minus and a B plus, um, particularly towards the middle. There, it's kind of felt there were a couple moments that we can get into as we discuss where maybe it wasn't it wasn't quite a a plus work. But I think certainly overall, particularly how the uh, the episode ended up, both with its kind of conclusion of the conflict and then also some of the you know ongoing mystery stuff that's teased at the end, I would call it definitely an A minus episode, Pete. And you know the thing I really dug about this was all the intra agency uh, espionage and intrigue that we will really uh, chew over because of the nature of uh, this type of episode. 
Uh, I love the, you know, in media res beginning there, you know, Colson is prisoner. There are torture tools, you know, uh, we then get, uh, we rescue agent Shaw with some critical Intel that he's got hidden up his nose, uh, total recall style <laughs> that, uh, you know, the lovely agent Simmons extracts and extraction is definitely a theme throughout this episode. And then, yeah, my only complaint wasn't that as she was that as she was pulling it out, it didn't cut to a rubber mask of Arnold Schwarzenegger with a glowy, glowy bulb being pulled out of his nose while he went. Well, get ready for a surprise, Matt. Ooh, I, fire away, Pete. <laughs> no, that's a line from the movie. But anyway, oh. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to go on the record right now and say that the classified location of the hub, which is where we wind up once uh, Shaw has uh, um, – how do we want to say this? Uh, snorted uh, out that, uh, that intel um, is the self-same uh, facility that has already been glimpsed in the Captain America 2 um, the Winter Soldier uh, trailer where there are a multitude of helicarriers under construction. Ooh, that certainly is a nice, uh, a nice theory there, Pete. Now, Pete, let's just go back for a minute. You used the literary phrase in media res. Could you just give a little background there? Yes. Uh, there was a dead language called Latin, and it is no longer spoken. However, people use it all the time. It is uh, excellent as far as morphology is concerned, which is the breaking down of words and figuring out their origin. Yes, but Pete, in in literature, what is in media res? (laughs) It is to begin in the middle, to begin midstream would be another way of doing this. So while we don't know how Coulson wound up a prisoner – all that we know is he is prisoner, and the team is sent in to extract him. Well said, Pete. Um, I certainly would agree with quite a bit that you said. I kind of almost had a James Bond yes. flair to the beginning of things, not just because oftentimes the James Bond movies have that cold open or sometimes even start with the end of, a, of an unseen mission. You know, you can have no context other than, you know, there he goes, blowing up the, the dam or whatever it might be. But um, uh, the Bear McCreary music to start the episode out uh, as well was just absolutely fantastic, by the way. But um, yeah, I thought that uh, I thought that we certainly were off to a good start. Now, when we were first watching the episode, I started to feel a little nervous because we were returning to the Sky storyline, and I, I remain not a huge fan of Sky. Although in this first, you know, maybe third or so of the episode. I slowly started to buy into her more. She had that, you know, that earnest, you know, can I look for mom and dad kind of spirit at the start of the episode. That was certainly well done. And I thought it was also nice to use Sky as the audience. Uh, she doesn't quite understand the need for this chain of command. And, uh, you know, we talk so much about how our agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are uh, a family. And she clearly had this concern more so for her new family uh, than her old family. I just thought it was a, a fantastic uh, comment to her. And then we have this payoff to the magnetic naughty bracelet where it's just there to whoop, make sure that you can't walk in with that level eight person next to you. Right, right. 
And, you know, you mentioned the family uh, motif again, and, you know, it's played and played to uh, great effectivity, both between the brothers in the group and the sisters as well. You know, uh, the, the, the gender, uh, um, dis- not disparity, but just, you know, sticking within their own ranks the way right, they right. were, you know, split up in the episode. Um, but we have another family, you know, the, the shield family has been, uh, you know, seated for some time. Um, agent Jasper Sitwell, who has actually been seen in Thor as well as Avengers and two of the Marvel one shot movies that have shown up as extras on the DVDs and Blu-rays, uh, reemerges here as does uh, Agent Victoria Hand, which is who is apparently well-known throughout S.H.I.E.L.D. So while our family of characters uh, that are native to the bus, you know, continues to solidify their bonds, there are bonds without uh, uh, their agency uh, when it comes to S.H.I.E.L.D. and really sets up this uh, diametric opposition, which we'll explore a little bit further in the dossier. Kind of the, the aunt and uncle of the family, if you will. You know, not, not used to the ins and outs of uh, what goes on underneath our roof, but still kind of privy and still certainly a bit more, uh, you know, holding a bit more power and respect within the S.H.I.E.L.D. family. Absolutely. And we come to learn that this is going to take uh, several level sevens to go on this mission to uh, South Essentia. Uh, you know, there's uh, a plot of, uh, you know, uh, Russian uh, and Georgian independence going on with, uh, you know, the overkill device that, of course, uh, Agent Hand is capable of spitting out in the, uh, the native tongue. By the way, Pete, speaking of Agent Hand for a moment, not necessarily as her you know, role within uh, the dossier, which we'll get to in a bit, but certainly much was made of the, 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 the buzz of her character having had a same-sex relationship and that being part of her background and whatnot. And I kind of was like, I was just a little confused. Is that something that uh, they were, you know, is that information that was somehow coming from the comics, which was not my my uh, understanding at all if this was in kind of the pre-buzz that abc was putting out there the casting news etc i mean there was nothing at all to in this episode to discuss her her orientation so i almost felt a bit like well don't bring up i mean like i don't particularly care what her orientation is if it's not going to impact the story story dependent i agree yeah so like to just be like hey we're totally progressive man we have a we have a lesbian character who's in charge Okay, that's wonderful. And in no point is she at all concerned about romantic or physical relationships. She's just doing her job. So don't tell me she's, you know, gay, straight, Martian, whatever. Just let her do her own thing there. I want to believe that it could come into play later on. But, you know, that there were people that obviously because of her reputation as a character in the comics, that that was uh, part and parcel of her character that they felt worthy of bringing up when the actress was cast in the role. Okay. That's that, that, that works enough for me. I was, again, I was just kind of expecting somehow this moment for them to casually fold that in and then 
didn't happen. So and maybe it's maybe it's a deleted scene thing, or maybe as you said, it's it's something they're going to deal with down the line as she returns. So listen, that that she knows of Coulson, but they have never met before. One shows you the vastness of this organization mm. um, for which they both work, as well as you know we're, we're getting greater glimpses into its inner workings. And, uh, you know, I, I think in a day and age of, you know, the NSA and everything else is going on, you know, again, Marvel and Disney hit the sweet spot as far as, you know, topical concerns when it comes to this. I mean, they must have been sitting around this summer saying, you know, when, when the NSA stuff was breaking, like, wow, you know, are they reading our scripts? <laughs> are, are our scripts... Are, are we now adapting our scripts to the, the real world uh, espionage <laughs> going on? I think there's there's a yin and yang. There's a you know reciprocal relationship. But the end result is this: that uh, instead of May and Ward two level sevens going in there, uh, it is Fitz who gets tabbed. Uh, who can't even get a cart into the <laughs> proper area. Uh, without needing to, uh, you know, jury rig a solution uh, that are going to go on a, uh, a mission uh, where they will be dark, where there is no plan for extraction. As we come to learn later on, um, Agents Barton and Romanoff, you also know them as Hawkeye and um, Black Widow. Black Widow, thank you. I was going to say Scarlet Witch. I was thinking of the red hair. Um, you know, they, every mission they go on, as we've learned, uh, there is no extraction plan, but they know that going in and Ward and Fitz are not privy to the fact that they will not be extricated from this particular mission to the Caucasus. Uh, Pete, that, as you said, that cart scene was absolutely hilarious. I think that it, there was so much in this episode, despite it not having, the emotional uh, backbone that that last week's episode did. There was so much in this episode that demonstrated to me that that the series is now confident in a way that it was not two or three weeks ago. That cart scene is one of them. It's just, it almost is, uh, I mean, obviously it's comedic to us, the audience, but it's, it almost approaches television comedy in the, the improbability of it. You know, the kind of like, you know, Lucy and Ethel speed up the 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 belt, go faster. Just kind of where it's like this wouldn't tr- this wouldn't happen in real life, um, or it, it, it would this happen in real life? It's kind of pushing things, but it was just absolutely ha- hilarious. Ian DeCakester just just nailed that scene for its comedy, and then the wonderful I suppose it's a combination of you know writing, sound design, directing, wherever the idea would come from, where he's in the middle of talking, and then the door just shuts and. He's continuing to talk, and we don't hear the dialogue. And it was just absolutely hilarious. Great use of him. Great use to sit and to, to sit and kind of set up our expectations of he's not capable of of being a field agent. Which, of course, um, later on, there's that wonderful line where I don't know whether it's true or not. I certainly took it as true. Where where Fitz says to Ward, you know, I had a little talking to as well with uh with colson and he told me to take care of you and kind of this moment of yes you have field agents and yes you have desk agents but darn it they're they're all agents of shield which is pretty high up on the uh on the list in terms of you know the espionage community 
definitely the only thing that would have made that one scene better was a little monkey riding on top of the cart and unlocking the door for him. Well, uh, you know, uh, our pal Mike Sorensen, I didn't have this for a decrypted transmission, so I'll, uh, I'll mention it now. He uh, he wondered, uh, obviously tongue-in-cheek, if after that door closed, if Fitz was actually saying, if only I had a little monkey to help me out here. So we have, we have unconfirmed, uh, or albeit, you know, uh, comedically unconfirmed uh, reports that the Fitz monkey is still being uh, wondered by or looked looked for from Fitz. I think there's a uh, a scene that didn't make the cut here of them walking by a lab where the <laughs> he was actually being outfitted. So uh, look for that on the uh, the DVD and the Blu-ray uh, later this or uh, later next year. But anyway, this unlikely pairing of uh, the two junior boys in the group, uh, Ward and Fitzsimmons, results in them being dropped off uh, in the uh, the area of Russia, Georgia, all those uh, stans going on over there. And uh, his name of Borat. Yes, yes. Looking for Yuri, looking for Borat. You know, looking make disco dance. Um, and meanwhile, we're left to some very amusing, and again, to contrast the slightly foreboding other tone of this episode, you know, the bad girl shenanigans, the, uh, again, with the comedic, um, with Sky and, um, Simmons. And it was just absolutely fantastic. I mean, to see... To see Simmons kind of unleashed in that way, to see uh, uh, Elizabeth Henstridge's um, ability to go comedic there. Um, this really was an episode where, uh, I mean, was was Ward being asked to, to, to do a ton uh, dramatically? Perhaps not, but certainly you have Fitz going uh, new places in terms of a character, in terms of performance. Same thing with Simmons, same thing with Sky, And just how adorable is Simmons to just to be sitting there badly flirting kind of flirting clearly this um you know clearly Sitwell is is high up on the chain of command and it's just you know there she is just oops i i just kind of shot him with the night night gun uh fantastic stuff um and then also you know there's a depth to 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 sky in those scenes um where she's really latching on you know as i said earlier to this new family of hers Definitely. And, you know, some stuff pays off a little later in the episode that we'll mention in our level seven segment. But when it comes to Fitzsimmons, this was very clearly his moment to shine to this point in the series. Um, you know, we get the uh, the stuff going on in the uh, with the Russian mobsters. Uh, turns out he had made the power fail. He fixes it. Uh, the overbearing uh, Russian mother archetype <laughs> dubs him Mishka, little bear. You know, she likes to watch him work. Again, a monkey would have, you know, just fit in that little space he was working in. Uh, <laughs> you know, he he buys their ransom with uh, two million rubles, you know, spending them like he thought they were pesos. Okay. <laughs> And, uh, you know, off we go towards this facility uh, and, you know, trying to track down this uh, doomsday device. While that's going on, though, uh, great 
conversation, I'll call it, even though it wasn't really, of Colson confiding in a Tai Chi practicing uh, May in which she doesn't say a word, yet they have this conversation. And, you know, the mantra we'll return to later uh, from this episode was trust the system. Well, this was a scene where I didn't fully trust the system in that the whole she's doing silently doing Tai Chi and he's amusingly getting advice from her while she doesn't speak or, or barely acknowledges his presence. I would have just preferred that she had some dialogue. I feel I still stick by that hashtag more Melinda May. I, I, you know, it was a great episode with the kids out in the field. Um, Warden fits literally out in the field, Simmons and, uh, and sky kind of more in the, uh, you know, the, the inside the building field, if you will. Uh, but it was just like, come on, let, let Melinda May have some more things to say. It just seemed a little, I don't know. I just, I would like, I'd like all these characters to be as well-rounded as possible. I thought this was a scene that clearly was very Colson oriented since he's the only one who speaks. Uh, not that you can't have, you know, an interesting performance without dialogue, but (laughs) those word things do help a bit, Pete. Well, it's interesting, the dynamic, because nobody reduces Coulson to less than himself than Melinda May. He's afraid of her. Mm. And I think that's why the yeah. dynamic works perfectly. Um, for all we know, she's a more senior agent. And it's mm. this, again, the, the, the confiding uh, and the quivering of his chin that went on as he's talking about, you know, not liking to keep things from the team as she's very calmly letting all of this uh, roll off her back as she's doing her Tai Chi there, I thought was very effective. And again, I think speaks to the rapport and the relationships that we're continuing to develop throughout this surrogate family. You know what, Pete, you've you've had me reassess that scene. I guess I was coming from the point of view of like, you know, poor Ming-Na Wen. All right, here's a scene where you don't have anything to say. But you're right. The force of her character comes through in that scene where she's able to kind of uh, not tear him down, but melt him down just by her presence, by her reputation, by her non-response, by letting him, you know, kind of in, almost in that psych- psychiatrist sort of way, you know, he keeps talking because she's not filling the, the silence. And in that kind of the truth spills out of him. So... Uh, you win this round, Pete, you win this round. So while mom and dad are talking there, you know, the two daughters in Sky and Simmons mount, uh, their little, uh, mission to try to get some level eight information in terms of what's going on with the boys. Um, that, uh, gets Simmons in the door there. And she runs into, uh, agent Sitwell in the hallway uh, was an interesting exchange to be sure. She has a little bit of diarrhea of the mouth and Skye is trying to walk her through it. And ultimately, <laughs> it, it results in her stunning sit well. And that's not a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 you know, it was a fun scene because we've seen Skye in similar situations, which, wow, is some unintentional alliteration there. But... Uh, Sky could have talked her way out of that in two seconds with a little bit of like a smile, a little bit of a hair twirl, a little bit of a, you know, why is the panel open? 
I don't know. I'm just, uh, where, where's the bathroom here, mister? You know what? All right. I think I'm going to go back this way. She would have, you know, it, 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 it was the comedy of errors. It was fish out of water. And it was just absolutely fantastic. Um, but it also showed that these characters are learning from each other. You know, that Simmons was doing okay, at least until she panicked and, you know, shot the boss. Um, so, it, you know, it was a scene that absolutely worked. You know, the other thing with Simmons that we see in this episode, uh, you know, we had the the fall from the plane last week. And clearly this episode is also about the fallout from that. Fitz is, is concerned that Ward may supplant him in whatever role he fancies with Simmons, whether it's romantic, whether it's simply the, the sibling uh, type of uh, bond that they share. And, uh, you know, Ward tosses his prosciutto sandwich that uh, Simmons has made lovingly for him to uh, bring on the trip, uh, not knowing, of course, that dogs would smell it and the jig would be up. Yeah, I thought that that pipe scene was absolutely fantastic. You had both characters authentically interacting from their own spheres of personality, if you will. That's a scene where on Ward's end, if it was Ward and James Bond in the pipe, Ward would not have acted very much differently. Uh, but then you have Fitz there, who clearly is there for comedic reasons. He's there as an ignorant party to the particulars of the, the spy game. And he's able to act comedically against Ward, not just being straight man, but Ward just being uncomedic. And both of those work. And you know, it's really credit to the writing and the acting that that you're able to do that. And then... A couple scenes later, they kind of pick up with that vibe a bit more when Fitz has the plastic x-ray window and it's, oh, there's two guys and, oh, there's a third guard. Wait, the guard, the third guard is, you know, attacking the other two. We need to get out of here. We need to get out of here. And the minute he reaches back, we say, oh, okay, I get it. I get what's going on. And it was just this hilarious and wonderful moment to say, you know, they're, they're yin and yang. They're... You know, they have different skill sets, but uh, together they achieve more. I get that. I just don't see why you got to bring up gender persuasion again. Wait, what? You said straight man. Oh, just a turn of phrase for the old <laughs> vaudeville folks and comedy. I get it. I'm just being difficult. Okay. Back at S.H.I.E.L.D., though, uh, what is difficult is that Skye, while she uh, is snooping around with Simmons' help, the S.H.I.E.L.D. mainframe, um, on the clock, no less, she manages to find time. <laughs> oh, there's mi current missions. Oh, let <laughs> me go into the redacted folder document <laughs> thing here. Matt, I know you had a little bit of a problem with that. Yeah, first of all, it was like, I don't know. I can't imagine that, and maybe this is a little bit too kind of technical, but I can't imagine that, you, that S.H.I.E.L.D. has a, a user interface, a look to its system there that's all like <laughs> dark. Secret documents secret over yeah. here. <laughs> and you know, black and blue background. It's just like, really? Like, this is, you have a bunch of desk jockeys who are either moving data or analysts or whatever. Like, really? They're, they're going to go for the whole, like, the little when you click on it there's like a little round shield thing inside the circle and, and then as you said you know current missions recent missions secret documents um 
this whole, you know, she wants to hack into her buddy's location, but can she find her secret past? I thought that it was slightly, not even slightly false tension. It was manufactured tension. It was a bit hand of the writer. It was mitigated, though, I think, by the fact that she did decide to find out the information on Ward and Fitz. The whole look to the computer system, the ease to get to it, realistic, not particularly do you give them a gimme for an episode that's 42 minutes long and they kind of need to keep a certain pace here? Yeah, I'll give it to them this time. You know, Ron Moore said, you can only do so many hand of the writers with the audience, but if you do a couple here and there, the audience always forgives you if it's not too much. And I think this is a case where it's not too much. And again, the fact that it wasn't like, now I'm going to find out the thing. This whole, you know, I'm going to find out my secret past. The fact that it was... What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And kind of ratcheting up the tension. Then she does the right thing, which then feeds the story because she's now going to go back to Coulson, show a strength of character that, frankly, I did not know she had as she is defending uh, Ward and Fitz. Um, made that scenes, the hacking scene, and however contrived it might be, the payoff was worth it because there she is going toe to toe with dad saying, dad, you're on the wrong side of this one. Yes, I wasn't where I was supposed to be. Yes, I wasn't doing what I was doing, but it was for the greater good. It was for the team that I now believe in. And in an episode about taking care of their own against their own, you know, the cavalry comes to the rescue. Uh, Ward and Fitz are saved. The sandwich was delicious. There's the Fitzsimmons recap about war- having wards back and, uh, you know, uh, hitting Sitwell in the chest. And, you know, all of this uh, leads to a place where we're further teased out about the redacted documents, um, both in terms of Sky's situation and then the longer lasting, I would say, uh, more intriguing mystery of what has happened to Colson and that he is denied information about himself and his recovery. Well, Pete, before we head to that, can I just mop up the debrief with uh, two of, little little bits here? Of course. The fact that the bus has VTOL, vertical takeoff and landing, that was just awesome. I suspect if if we had somebody who knew anything about uh, you know aircraft engineering – probably the physics of that doesn't work in terms of the the weight of the plane and whatnot but whatever this is also a marvel cinematic universe where there's you know the nine realms and you know ether and all that that's not my concern at all it was just awesome it was in line with what we've seen from some of these smaller uh shield vehicles in in the movies and whatnot um absolutely love that and pete my final concluding bit here for the debrief i mentioned earlier how the show is more confident, it seems, when uh, Fitz and Ward say goodbye as they're heading out onto the mission. It's a silent goodbye. It's no dialogue. It's just looks between the characters. It is acting. It is saying to your actors, you need to carry this. It's not the words. It's not, you know, we can't, you know, we can only jazz this up so much with the music. You need to carry it as actors. And the fact that the show was confident enough to rely on those characters to me just speaks volumes as to where the show can continue to go because they they know what they have and they know how to use it this is true this is true happy times indeed on the old bus yes so in an abridged dossier portion tonight matt because there there really is a lack of a clear enemy um 
in tonight's episode. Uh, I'm going to begin with a question for you. Ooh, fire away. Do you trust the system? Um, I don't think that we as audience members are meant to trust the system. This seed was first planted in uh, various parts of the Avengers movie where, uh, you know, there are the directors or not the directors. What are the, the, the council? The council where, you know, Fury, our guy who we you know we love so much is is openly flaunting them. And frankly, we see how the, the council makes what we understand is the wrong call with the nuclear weapon. Um so that's kind of baked into you know our perception of shield but then does the that, that council supersede shield though i don't see oh. them as a part of shield i saw them kind of similar as you know the, the the board of directors for a company or or that sort of thing the board of education for a district where i thought that those were the shield um the, the shield council that sets policy that's not not in charge of day-to-day running not in charge of of missions but can sit and say hey nick fury you need to start to take things in a different direction or you're going to get canned the way a board of directors can say we need more innovation in this direction we need less in that direction now ceo you go make that happen with hirings and speeches and plans and finances and marketing and that sort of thing i definitely think they are the oversight for shield they are fury's oversight I I disagree at this point. I think that's more of a discussion for another time, though. Fair uh, enough. You know, we start off with this concern over what's going on in the Caucasus Mountains over this overkill device, um, and the idea that it uses uh, sonic vibrations to render uh, things useless and and to break them. Um, but again, that's the misdirection for what is going on in S.H.I.E.L.D. between uh, Victoria Hand, who we're introduced to in the Marvel Universe uh, as far as visual um, broadcasts and, and movie uh, information for the first time, and uh, the reappearance of Agent Sitwell, both of whom have foreboding presences in this episode they absolutely do and uh, i think hand most of all uh, over sitwell but you know the fact that that these two relatively junior agents and i know that ward uh, you know has the higher level ranking than uh, than fitz but you know only recently so i mean how how far are we into the chronology of the show you, you know perhaps as long as the show's been on eight weeks or so um so the fact that they were just prepared to burn those two those two agents, which Coulson obviously holds dear, having picked both of them uh, by hand, if you'll pardon the pun, right. and the fact that Coulson has this reputation as the, whatever you want to say, the golden boy, who you know, the one who's gotten the the special assignment for services rendered, whatever it is that... Preferential treatment. Preferential treatment. Being a favorite. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. The fact that they're willing to sacrifice these two, I mean, that definitely that definitely calls into question Han's motivations. Now, she struck me as certainly a savvy uh, administrative operator. 
surely, I would think, surely somebody at Shield HQ, your you know your Agent Hills or your Nick Furies, I, I would think that if only because Hand is concerned about her own career, she might you know pick up the phone and be like, "Hey, the mission calls for possibly sacrificing these two agents of Coulson's. Uh, is that okay, or am I going to like get sent to you know Ice Station Zebra where I get to you know like watch paint dry uh, in the snow?" If that level, if that that direction of thinking holds merit, then there are people above hand who were okay with possibly um, giving Colson a little or a big smack on the hand by losing two of his uh, his five agents under him. Well, in this cinematic universe that we've talked about, and Matt, you coined it the other day, and I'm going to run with it. You know, the synergy we have going between the film properties and the TV right now. Um, I'm going to say that this is all going to come to the fore in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, in that, you know, you can't watch the trailer for that and not think that there is a major schism coming within S.H.I.E.L.D. That would be interesting. I mean, these are the these would seem to be the TV seeds of that. You know, the the rift between the hierarchical levels, um, you know, the little fiefdoms that we're establishing here. And again, that's endemic of any governmental agency. OK, and this is mm-hmm. being laid out in a, in, a, in a dramatic TV show. OK, but it really seems like, you know, there are separate agendas and ideologies going on here. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I've just quickly looked up uh, Victoria Hand on uh, uh, on Wikipedia. Certainly the fact that she's somebody to buck the system a bit is something built into her Marvel Comics background. I'm not saying that that is, uh, you know, guaranteed to be uh, to, to be gospel in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, of course. But, you know, the fact that the, again, the fact that her comic book component is somebody who uh, went head to head with Nick Fury. The fact that she could be making this decision to say this mission calls for this sort of sacrifice and it is operationally sound, um, Nick Fury be darned. That certainly seems in line with with um, the origin of her character, if you will. Definitely. Um, you know, and and where this goes, we'll have to wait and see. I'm pretty sure they didn't bring in Hand here to be a one shot and out. I think we're going to see her again. I think we're going to see her soon. And uh, we'll just have to watch this one develop. Indeed. By the way, I see here, if uh, I was a little, I wasn't crazy about the red streaks in her hair. Uh, apparently that, uh, that is uh, something the, the comic character has. So, yes. all right, like, that's like, fine. You want to bring that over? Uh, you don't, I, you know, it's no matter as to whether I like it or not. It's cool that you brought it over from the comics. Uh, by the way, see here it is from the comic end. Uh, her having dated fellow agent, a fellow agent named Isabel. So, again, I certainly felt like the the buzz, the TV buzz for her was like, ooh, she had, you know, dated a, a, another female agent. Um, perhaps that buzz was just blown out of proportion, or not necessarily coming from ABC, but kind of instead the the comic bunch. But overall, you know, will she? Pete, here's a question for you to, to close out the dossier. Will Victoria Hand land in your dossier again? I think so. Oof. Exciting stuff. 
by the way, as a complete side note to close out the dossier, the name Victoria Hand is cool. The fact that the actress's name is Saffron Burrows makes the rare the rare time where a an actor or actress's name is uh, cooler and more mysterious than the character's name. This is true. <laughs> well, Matt, in our level seven segment, there is certainly a lot to hash out uh, between redacted shield files that come back between uh, what is going on within S.H.I.E.L.D. And uh, one thing I'm going to key on immediately, what's up with the Death Star lighting in the hallways inside the hub? Hey, you know what? It's all a big, it's all a big happy, you know, ha- happy Mickey's Magic Kingdom here. Maybe they're like, hey, we want you to go build this set. Uh, test out some different lighting stuff. Test out the way... The way we, you know, certain designs can go, and um, you know, maybe we've seen a preview. Pete, maybe this is like we talked about in the Thor podcast. Maybe this is like Patton Oswald's, you know, improvised rant there about how the Infinity Gauntlet is going to bring together Star Wars and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and and I don't know, and Walt Disney himself. It's going to be Mickey Mouse battling, uh, I don't know, the, the the Jawas. Yeah, I I don't really want uh, my peanut butter and my chocolate to, to cross there. Um, but anyway, you know, um, the, the refrain here, again, trust the system. And Coulson talks about, you know, the, the people who put these missions together, they're the best. Yet there seems, again, ulterior motives um, mm. that we have – in this episode, the very overt mention of the hierarchy, so levels within an organization, and that you can only go so far, um, a brass ceiling, if you will, um, and you know that that one agent has to stun another agent within this organization within this episode. Uh, there's some serious room to theorize here. There definitely is, and it was it was certainly uh, a brisk episode, but it gave us, you know, it definitely gave us quite a bit for level seven. I mean, are we seeing a dysfunctional um, intelligence organization? And it, it takes me right back to your comment earlier, Pete. Are they sitting there writing these episodes this summer, going, you, you know, uh, oh my goodness, real life is unfolding a bit the way. Um, you know, the way we're writing it, or are they kind of writing to some of this stuff of the left hand and the right hand not knowing together? I mean, are the Snowdens of the world that that terribly different from the Simmons of the world? Um, it's, um, it's, it, 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 it's a daring undercurrent that they're returning to time and time again. It's just been seven mere episodes. And how many times have we hit on this? Maybe in four of the episodes? Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely interesting. One thing though, Pete, that I think we can put to, put to bed. There definitely, is it, is it Sky who, the note I have here is Robot Coulson. Is it Sky who, does Sky say that outright or is there some reference to, you know, you're acting like a robot? Yes. And they've, this is the second time by my count that they've done this. She says that Coulson is acting like a robot version of himself. To me, that is such a heavy hint that. It is so heavy that we can just abandon the robot theory oh, of Coulson, which, we, you, which you and I had already done, of course. But I think yeah. this is just so much misdirection. It's like, oh, they are over there. No, they're not. They're not going there. 
Right. I mean, what robot has, you know, a, a, a five inch scar on his chest? What would be the point of putting a scar on a robot beyond that? Um, yes. You know, getting at that. And <clears throat> the idea here that, um, you know, he's almost through his recovery is what uh, Victoria Han brings up. Mm. She also mentions that not everyone is sent to Tahiti. It's a magical play. It's yeah. so fast that response it almost comes back as as programmed you know it's just he hits that line again and catches himself and it's very clearly meant to be he keeps using those words but they're sounding false to him they're sounding hollow to him i just thought it was a wonderful a wonderful moment what do you make of it pete well i'll go back again to colson's own words you know someday i might have to trust you with a secret and it's very mm. clear that when he spills this it's going to be the sky. Which I dig. I mean, she's the outsider. She's the one who he's not going to feel like he's betraying the system by going to somebody who is outside the system. Or more so, I think she's going to be the one to help him discover what happened to himself. Ooh. You know, Hill uh, and, and Fury, whose levels we will ponder in a little bit where they are in this hierarchy – um, you know, Hill is on the record saying he can never know. And I think Sky's going to be the one to help him know. And that reciprocal idea of, of helping each other find out secrets and simultaneously keeping each other's secrets in an agency that is itself secret. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the old onion layers and layers and layers. It is. Um, so Matt, where is director Fury? And where is Agent Maria Hill? What are their levels? Well, you know, uh, not to not to jump into decrypted transmissions, but that was the very question that ZP International had asked. What are their levels? Uh, our pal Mike Sorensen posits that Fury is a 10 and Hill's a 9. Uh, that actually 100% mirrors what I was thinking. Um, I'm just going to correct that because Agent Maria Hill is clearly a 10. Ah, yes. You know what? <laughs> ah, yes. Not that I wouldn't kick the one-eyed Nick Fury, you know, uh, off the couch, but uh, yeah. Um, but I do think that that general, I mean, the notion that Hill is at a higher level than um, the person running the hub certainly makes sense to me. I don't know how many hubs there are there or, or, or similar um there's only one hub. It's it's the well, center of the spoke there, right? Well, I just meant these operational um, centers. Yes, there's just one, the hub. But I don't know. And I mean, certainly the name suggests it is. Well, all the, the spokes so far start with S. The sandbox, the slingshot, you know. Ooh. Yeah, come on. Wow. Man. That is a good theory, Pete, that there's just some basic, almost like a a donkey wheel if you will where you have these spokes that all start with s and then just the one hub well the nomen um, the nomenclature though makes sense yeah i i guess what i'm saying though i'm not going to pin um the, i'm not going to pin to the name the hub the idea that that is the only place where that sort of um, you know, uh, I don't not not resource room, but what do they call it at the White House? The uh, situation room. That, that that's the only place where you can do 
uh, missions like that, just as, sure, you can do missions out of the Pentagon like that, but I'm sure you can also do missions out of, you know, some, uh, there's a big, you know, military, uh, American military presence in Germany. I'm sure you can run, you know, European or, or uh, you know, Persian Gulf missions out of there as well. Um, I, that said, I cannot disagree in any way with your your suggestive nomenclature here, Pete. The end result of them being at the hub, however, you know, getting this mission is one thing. And we know as what the producers are doing, they're, they're getting him into this spot so that they can yield further information about Sky's mystery, about Coulson's mystery. Uh, is that Coulson has found the unredacted file. Um, he's simultaneously giving and withholding information to Sky, uh, revealing to her that a shield agent uh, dropped her off, a female shield agent dropped her off at the orphanage, which uh, should be nothing new to the listeners of this podcast, given that, uh, I don't know, somebody in this conversation predicted that a couple weeks ago. Yes, Pete, I would like to take all the credit for that. <laughs> no, of course it was you, Pete. Um, yeah, I thought that it was just that scene, that portion of the story completed my process of saying, ugh, once again, we're focusing on Sky to me kind of being won over uh, by her as a character. The, the, the scene there with her was totally engaging. We had bits of information, as you said, about it being a woman, and Sky's performance was absolutely wonderful. And it was this wasn't the introduction of that thread. I think that this was the the codification of that thread into being something that they really want to mine and they really want to push. Um, and it's just really opened the door to this Sky mystery uh, in a very big sense. And I just kind of felt like it was also a scene where it was like, Sky, welcome to the family, where they're really pulling you in and saying, we are going to get to the bottom of this, even though mom and dad in uh, in Coulson and uh, uh, Melinda May aren't telling you everything, as sometimes parents are, are wont to do. The picture was very difficult to make out. Could you see what was going on there? Uh, I mean, I saw what appeared to be a bespectacled female on it. I, uh, I certainly would be interested to go back and rewatch, maybe do a screenshot, that kind of thing. Um, but and I, uh, heck, if 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 I don't get to it first, I'm sure some of the other uh, the other Shield podcasters and websites and whatnot will, you know, they might have it up now for all I know. But it definitely is meant to be. Quite frankly, I think they're taking a, a little bit of a playbook in, in in a small way, or a little bit of a, a page from the the playbook in a small way from Lost, where they're throwing some stuff out there and they're saying, "Yes, please, someone screen cap this, pass it around online, come up with your theories. What words can fit in behind the redaction or redaction? I'm not quite sure what the redaction. Redaction, excellent, Pete. Pete, I I know you're a newspaper man. I know that you also have a a secret past before that. Those five unaccounted for years where you came back speaking speaking turkish and scars about you a la batman but anyhow um it's a fun place that they're headed with this here's a question for you pete do we find out the answer to sky's past this season if we have already been told to expect getting the answers to colson's past this season as well or are they planting little seeds 
that we're supposed to slightly forget about a little bit as we get closer and closer to the tie-in to Thor episode and the tie-in to Captain America and maybe some reference to Guardians of the Galaxy and Nick Fury returns and boy, what a great season and then the great Coulson reveal and then season two is about Sky. What do you think? I don't think the, the two reveals are exclusive of one another. I think we'll get both this season. They might yield additional mysteries, you know, so we'll find out who the woman was and then it'll be a question of finding the woman or et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it, it, again, Lost is, you know, the, the modern TV template for this type of ongoing mystery in that one thing leads to another. Pete, what if it was a uh, – I'm just doing some quick mental math here. How old would you say Sky is, like 20? I think they said before she's 23. Okay, so what if – math is difficult here. What if it was she's a – She's born in 89, so – 89. 24. So, 24. Um, 4, 26, uh, 89 was when – apparently when that memo was made. 426 being my brother-in-law's birthday, uh, who is not related to Sky. Well, Pete, here's my prediction that the woman who dropped her off may be uh, perhaps a, a British woman, perhaps in her late 60s, somebody who you might uh, have remembered from back in the old days when good old Captain America was in Britain and um, perhaps it was an older Peggy Carter. Oh, Matt, I like that. And given the uh, the rumors that abound that she might see a series of her own coming on the heels of having the one shot that is on the Iron Man 3 uh, discs, hey, you, you may indeed be on to something. But to throw back at you a line from tonight's show, uh, some secrets are meant to stay secret. Yeah, that was just them saying, you got that, everybody at home? We're not going to solve this one next week. You might need to hang on to this one for a little bit. Don't worry. Don't think that it's, you know, some six-season mystery. Just don't think it's going to be answered really soon either. So, Well, Matt, on the subject of secrets, let's decrypt uh, some secret transmissions that have been sent our way. Well, Pete, it is a, it's a somewhat light decrypted transmission load this week i think in part just because it was a uh, a fast-paced episode certainly character driven i had mentioned the one message earlier that uh, zp international ha- had wondered what the different levels for we also heard from our pal mike Sorensen, uh who, who gave his two cents in that regard but pete we're gonna we're gonna move straight to the uh the agent of the week winner this somebody who I think has just a wonderful, wonderful observation. This is on Twitter, uh, VA Gentle Nerd. And uh, <laughs> hey, it's a fantastic name. And uh, it's, a, it's a she. She says the following. Guessing the hub replaced the facility that imploded at the start of Avengers, which I thought was just a fantastic observation. Yes, of course, that makes sense. And uh, no wonder it looks a bit smaller. It's not that it's the TV budget, mind you. It's that... This was like the backup place. This wasn't, you know, where they had the whatever with Nick Fury and the glowy cube. They've kind of had to move operations into here. It's the backup place. So excellent observation there on the part of VA Gentle Nerd, our agent of the week. Enjoy your button. Indeed. And uh, that reminds me, Pete, I, of course, 
Uh, we'll be in touch with her, and actually, uh, I'll reach out to last week's winners as well. I was a bit uh, remiss with what was a uh, what was a uh, an interesting week since uh, since last we spoke. Of course, you know the the Thor podcast notwithstanding. So, we're always happy to send out those buttons. Hopefully, uh, I mean, we have a whole pile of buttons, Pete. Looking ahead to uh, to next week when we have that that live blog on shieldpodcast.blogspot.com, uh, watching along with episode 108 the well uh maybe we'll hand out a few buttons uh during the uh the live blog as well you never know yes and while we're talking about handing things out i am looking for shield to hand me out one of those stainless steel shield emblazoned uh trash cans we saw inside the hub so uh you know let me know i'll contact you with my address and you can send me one of those bad boys I thought, Pete, that you were going to ask for Shield to send you a um, one of those two man uh, sleeping bags, which I'm personally already have glad. two of them, Matt. Already have two of them. Well, you know what? That's that's from your your dark dark past. I hope, Pete. Maybe like when the show goes into uh, into hiatus, you know, over the the holidays and whatnot. Maybe you could come on the podcast and tell us some of those some of those awful deeds that you had in Eastern Europe. Yes, but let's mop up, shall we? Indeed. Indeed. Uh, Pete, I think we should start. Let's start with you. You are our ward in so many ways. Uh, and you are quite the uh, quite the Twitter celebrity, So well known across the Twitterverse. What is your Twitter name? Well, 1,351 people can't be wrong. You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. And really, folks, when you add Pete, you make his day. It's like, you know, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Every time Pete gets an, a, an ad on Twitter, a follow on Twitter, his smile just grows larger and larger. You can follow me personally on Twitter. I am looking back lost. But uh, best of all, you can follow the podcast Twitter at Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with a PH. You can send an email to fantasticgeek at gmail.com. Share your thoughts about old podcasts, upcoming episodes of the series, and uh, heck, you can even send us an email during the uh, during the episode. Um, you can leave a comment on the webpage, shieldpodcast.blogspot.com. And uh, lastly, you can call the listener line, 732-707-1815, and leave a message for up to three minutes. Uh, it may be listened to by some of those level eight uh, agents but they'll, uh, of course, send it our way, and we will incorporate that into the podcast, something that we look forward to doing. Pete, before we totally say goodbye to everybody, I know you were telling me about the dates of upcoming episodes, per, you know, possible break, etc. What's ahead of us, let's say, for the rest of 2013? Well, um, on the, uh, the shorthand uh, schedule, we're looking at an episode for next Tuesday, uh, November 19th. We will get an episode the week of Thanksgiving, which, of course, is a holiday celebrated um, in the uh, Northern America uh, portion of the world with the United States and Canada. And that will be uh, Tuesday, November 26th. Uh, except uh, Canadian Thanksgiving was last month. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> I didn't say they celebrated the same week. That's true. That's it's true. They celebrate it. Okay. Got it. Got to keep our, uh, our, our ice brothers in arms, uh, in mind there. That's right. With all that gold they're sitting on. 
it seems as if we're going to have a week off on Tuesday, um, December 3rd. There is not slated to be an episode at this point. Not aware of what they may rerun if they choose to rerun. And then the latest episode that we have slated to uh, appear is on Tuesday, December 10th, which may or may not be the fall finale. We're not sure just yet. I think it's probably a safe bet. And, and Pete, I might caution you using the word fall finale and that maybe not in the not in the. Um oh, the basic cable sense of, you know, there's going to be some sort of cliffhanger and, you know, we'll come back in, in a couple of months. But certainly, the, I, I think it is safe to say that that episode on December 10th probably is it for 2013, although that's, you know, that's uh, your supposition that I'm agreeing to and not necessarily anything that we've seen, uh, you know, in set in stone. Definitely. I mean, uh, always in motion, the future is to ah. bring that other franchise in. It is your destiny. Well, that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners. Hope to see everybody with that uh, live blog on shepodcast.blogspot.com next Tuesday. At about uh, We'll start at about 7.50 p.m. in the Eastern and Central time zones. Hope to see a bunch of you there. And, uh, of course, see everybody on Twitter throughout the week. So take care, one and all. And, Pete, it's time for your famous, world-famous final word. You destroyed the world's most dangerous sandwich. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs>